Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. Today, I'm going to give you a guide to overcoming emotional eating for good. And if you are listening to the show on Voice America, you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for the whole show. If you are watching on the live stream on Instagram, please feel free to drop a comment or a question anytime. All right, so let's get started. If you have ever found yourself overeating or binging or just grazing and you're not hungry, but you know that it is response to stress, worry, boredom, sadness, something going on emotionally, you are not alone. And this is very common. Emotional eating, which basically means eating to relieve the way that you feel emotionally or to change the way you feel emotionally, is ultimately not a healthy way to respond to our emotions if that is your go-to way of dealing with feelings. So understanding first that emotional eating is really not about food. That is a crucial part of overcoming this pattern of feeling something uncomfortable, which you may or may not be aware of, by the way, just to make things complicated and interesting, and then turning to food to cope. So emotional eating, binge eating, any kind of stress eating, any kind of unhealthy, unhappy relationship with food, it is about using food as a coping strategy. There are actually four reasons we turn to food that's not about hunger. One is deprivation, and that includes dieting. When you're on a diet, it's always eat this, but not that. And then the thing that you want, you always want more of it. And eventually your willpower will fail and you're going to have the thing. And then if you have true diet mentality, you're going to say, oh my gosh, I had the thing. I broke my diet. I might as well you know, have everything because my day is ruined. And there you go off to a binge maybe, or just eating a lot more of foods that you wouldn't not ordinarily eat. And then the next day it's dieting again and rinse and repeat. The other reason is when you want to use food for the wrong reason. So let's say you're really anxious and you're just really that jittery, anxious, awful feeling. You might use food to sedate yourself and calm down. You also might be feeling very too too tired, and a lot of people use sugar for this reason. You're tired. You need more energy. It's that mid-afternoon slump. So you grab a chocolate bar or something with sugar to, to perk yourself up. That's also the wrong use of food. And the fourth reason, which is the reason behind binge eating disorder and much of binge eating, is that you're using food as a way of coping coping with some emotions, some thoughts, some feelings, some something going on inside that you don't want to look at and you don't want to feel. And it, it is often easier to focus on food or what you're eating or what you weigh than it is to look at what is eating at you. 
So today we're going to dive into more of these reasons, and I'm going to show you how to uh, confront and deal with emotions differently. And uh, all I ask is that you stay curious, not critical, because often when we're critical, boy, then we want to eat just to get away from our own mean voice. So we don't want that. So the first step in this guide is to uh, recognize your emotional triggers. Are you turning to food when you are stressed, when you are anxious, when you're bored, or you think you're bored? By the way, boredom is what's called a, an umbrella emotion. It kind of covers up other feelings. So we might say, oh my God, I'm so bored. But what we're really feeling is anxious or sad or lonely or empty or something along those lines. So recognizing that you are not triggered by food, you are triggered by something, some kind of emotion or some thought, which leads to emotion, which leads to behavior. And that is the trigger. And that is what you need to change. Eating is the solution to the problem. It is not the problem. It sure feels like the problem, but it's not. It's a way of coping. So identifying these emotional triggers is really a crucial step to overcoming emotional eating and binge eating disorder. And these triggers are often hidden from us. They're unconscious, meaning we can't see them. We can't know them. We don't, we're not even aware of them, uh, but they have so much impact on our behavior. Kind of like a weed and a root, right? We see the, we see the weed. We don't see the root that is underground in the dirt, in the ground that is growing that weed. So if we just look at the weed as analogous to dieting or 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 wanting to stop, you know, stop emotional eating or binge eating, or and, and the idea is, well, let's go on a diet or let's focus on the food part. It's like yanking a weed without getting to the root. We've got to get to the root, and the root is are, the roots are, it's usually more than one root, whatever it is that is kind of hidden from you, you're in the dark about, you don't want to think about, you don't want to know about it, and that is affecting you. So to identify this, and by the way, it can be hard because we're using food to escape the feelings we need to look at. It could be hard. So first start playing, paying really close attention to what's going on before you feel like you want to Eat. A lot of people will say, well, just out of the blue, I just, I just want, I just went to the kitchen. I just had to eat something. Well, it's not out of the blue. Something happened. Something's going on and it affected you in some way. And that's why you go to the kitchen or the drive-thru or order DoorDash or whatever it is that you do. So start by cultivating a sense of self-awareness. Be reflective, not reactive. So reflective means being really present in the moment and being curious. Remember I said curiosity is so important. I consider myself a detective of the mind. And I am here to help you solve the mystery of why you're doing something you don't want to do, like eat all the Oreos, or why you're not doing something you want to do, like maybe get on that Peloton or go for a walk or take up a sport or do whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be body related or food related want to solve the mystery by by being curious and detectives also when they find clues detectives don't say oh that's really weird that's a weird clue that's a disgusting clue that's oh <laughs> no detectives say okay 
that's a clue. We have more information. This is good. So be a detective, be curious, not critical, because only with curiosity can you figure out what is eating at you. Remember, when it comes to binge eating, stress eating, emotional eating, any of that, the problem is not what you are eating, it's what's eating at you. And when you are a detective and you figure that out, solve the mystery, can create new ways of responding to yourself in those moments. And we're going to go through that today. So be present, be curious, and maybe start by keeping a journal of your eating habits. In my programs, I have, you know, track your triggers is something that I have people do. And you write down what you eat, when you eat. And when I say eat, I don't mean breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I mean when you're turning to food to change the way you emotionally feel which is pretty much the definition of emotional eating. When you are turning to food to change the way you emotionally feel, look at what time is it, what's going on in your life, and what are you feeling? And what food did you choose? Because that can be important as well. I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. So you might start to see patterns because you're a detective, right? So you're going to see patterns. You might notice that when you reach for food, you're always stressed about uh, money or you're upset at your boss or you're lonely or you're wondering if you're ever going to meet someone or you're ever going to have kids or, you know, or what's going on with your kids or something's bothering you, something's upsetting you, or, you know, maybe your sister's on your last nerve because she's always calling you for something and you, you, you feel bad because you want to help your sister, but you always so resent your sister. So what happens is you might notice that instead of going, oh, my sister's on my last nerve, you start saying, oh, I'm so mad at myself. I so resent myself. I can't stop eating cookies which is displacing anger towards some other situation onto yourself because of what you ate. So really tracking those triggers is important. What did you eat? What time? Where were you? And what was going on? And what were you feeling? And if you can't figure out what you're feeling, most feelings are distilled into mad, sad, glad, and afraid. One of those. So if you can't figure it out, just ask yourself, okay, am I mad? Am I sad? Am I happy? Probably not. Am I afraid? Although happiness, happiness can be a trigger because a lot of people get really nervous around happiness. They start thinking, oh my God, it's too good to be true. When's the other shoe going to drop? When's the rug going to be yanked out from underneath me? So even happiness can be a trigger. Food for thought. Also, also pay attention to your physical reactions during the day. Our bodies often give us clues about our emotional state. So you may not be feeling anxious, but you might notice that your heart's going or your palms are getting sweaty or you feel that knot in your stomach. And that is also a sign that you are feeling some kind of emotion. Think about kids. When kids are anxious, little, little kids don't say, oh, I'm feeling really anxious. Kids say, oh, I have a stomach ache. Right? They somatize their emotions and it comes out somatically, meaning in your body. And that means sometimes our bodies express 
what our minds cannot. So we don't want to think that we're anxious, but our bodies are anxious and tell us that we're anxious. And if you're aware and you're more interested, curious, what's going on, then you can start to really identify, well, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? Because that is everything to do with what you are eating and how much and all of that. So remember, identifying emotional triggers is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to have feelings. We all have feelings. We just grow up in, in a culture that says, don't have feelings. Feelings are bad. You are weak if you have feelings. You are strong if you push those feelings away. And the, the new thing that we have is like, just positive think away your feelings. Just be positive. Look on the bright side. Be grateful. Hey, I am all for being grateful. Gratitude is a beautiful thing. And I am deeply grateful for so much. And I am a very positive person, but I am not in favor of weaponizing positivity so that you don't feel something that you feel. Because what happens is then you feel it, you don't know how to respond to it, and then you can't positive think it away. So now you feel doubly bad. So, you know, our feelings are simply reactions to situations and they are what, what connects us to ourselves and to each other. That's it. They are not character flaws. We are actually not weak if we have feelings or strong if we push them away. It takes strength, by the way, to feel painful feelings. We have it backwards. Feelings are just reactions to situations and they tell us a lot about what's going on with us. They need our attention, not our condemnation. So be very curious about what's eating at you. So with this understanding and using the track the triggers, you can start to develop healthier coping strategies because then you know, oh, I'm feeling this. How would I respond to, you know, a, a, a friend, a child, someone I care about? Would I say, oh, you're feeling anxious? Here, eat this. No, probably not. At least I hope not. And if so, then keep listening. All right. So another, another way to figure out feelings is with my food mood formula. Because so often we are so fast at turning to food, we bypass what is going on with us. We absolutely bypass what we are feeling and we go right to food. So we got we to gotta dial it back and figure out what's eating at us. Um, so as an expert in emotional eating and eating disorders, my food mood formula really gives you a lens to understand how your food choices, how the foods that you choose when you're going to emotionally eat or binge eat actually reflect what's going on with you. It really helps you understand the emotional triggers that lead to specific cravings. So there are four pillars of my food mood formula. The first is smooth, creamy foods, which are related to comfort, a need for comfort. If you find yourself craving smooth and creamy foods like ice cream or yogurt or frozen yogurt or even creamy peanut butter or what have you, it signifies a need for comfort. We often think of comfort foods as other things, but this is much more specific to that. So I forget forget all that you think you know about comfort food, which sometimes it's pizza or pasta or whatever. No, 
Use the food mood formula. It will not let you down. I developed it over 10 years of treating exclusively people with eating disorders. And in that 10 years, I started noticing that when people talked about wanting certain foods, what they really were were talking about was a need for a certain expression of emotion or, or a need for something, something else was going on with them. So over the 10 years, I developed my formula and people tell me, oh my gosh, it really works. It really works. So give it a try. So if smooth and, and creamy foods are your go-to, then the key is to find new ways of comforting yourself that don't involve eating. The second pillar of the food mood formula, that's filling foods. Filling foods are correlated with a sense of emptiness, loneliness, something like that. And filling foods like pasta, bread, cake, muffins, you know, everything that kind of takes up space within us, that is correlated with some hole in your life, loneliness, emptiness, dissatisfaction, something like that. The key is to fill in those holes by being there for yourself and finding ways to fill them that don't involve the symbolic fulfillment with food. And by the way, again, this is totally unconscious. Nobody ever is like, I think I'll eat a whole pizza. That's because I am trying to fill the 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 aching void of loneliness within me. No. People don't realize that's why. They just order the pizza and then they can't stop they can't stop eating it and then they're eating so much that their stomach hurts and and they're thinking, "Oh my god, I have no willpower. What's wrong with me?" If people knew, they'd be horrified. Uh, this is horrifying. Well, maybe Instead, think about, hmm, what is it within you that is so painful? What and and what is the loneliness, the emptiness, what is missing in your life? And if you are eating so much that you are in physical pain, maybe you are converting emotional pain to physical pain. It is easy to get rid of emotional pain. If you eat so much that your stomach hurts and you're in pain and you're unbuttoning all the buttons on your pants and you're just like, oh, it hurts so much. Guess what? The next day, that pain is going to be gone. Unlike emotional pain, which doesn't just magically leave with time. We have to learn new ways of relating to ourselves and responding to ourselves. So the desire for filling up on filling foods, that can be an unconscious attempt to address that something is missing in your life, more fulfilling relationships or experiences, more satisfaction. And notice my language, fulfilling, satisfying. Like we talk about fulfilling relationships, satisfying experiences. We unconsciously relate certain experiences of life with with the with food metaphors right so that's something to think about if that is your go to um then third is crunchy foods which are correlated with anger and before you say but i'm not an angry person hmm maybe you're a person who's angry and by the way you know what are forms of anger Annoyance, irritation, frustration, rage. These are all forms of anger. And anger is just 
a reaction to a situation, like I said before. It is not a character flaw, and it is not bad. We women, so women are socialized to not be angry. Oh, no, girls don't get mad. That's not nice. We get all these messages that that is just socially unacceptable. So what do a lot of women do? They turn their anger into sadness. So if you are crying and crying and crying and crying and you never feel better, consider that maybe you're not sad. Maybe you're angry. and Maybe you're taking that anger out on yourself for what you are eating or what you weigh. Men have the opposite. Men are socialized. Don't be sad. Don't have tender, vulnerable feelings. That's not manly. Boys don't cry. So what do guys do? They convert their sadness into anger. Anger is, is you know, an active emotion. Ugh. So reaching for crunchy foods, chips, nuts, you know, anything with a crunch, it correlates with some form of anger. So if that's your go-to at any particular time, ask yourself who or what is upsetting you, who or what is frustrating you, irritating you, annoying you enraging you, whatever it is. Again, the, the physical act of crunching, it can be just an outlet for those emotions, right? We like biting down is sort of an angry release and, and expression. Um, then comes candy, chocolate. So by the way, chocolate actually goes with the food mood formula because some people only like like creamy chocolate or or milk chocolate and that goes to creamy or they like dark chocolate that's crunchy so chocolate specifically is within the the food mood formula but let's say your thing is for candy that doesn't have to do with chocolate so that indicates possibly a deeper need for sweetness in your life not the kind that you get from sugar but the sweetness of connection, fulfillment, love, all of those things. That is a sweet life. And if you're not having a sweet life, you might get it symbolically with sweetness. So maybe you need more joyful and loving experiences in your life. Maybe you need to have more fun. You know, because if you don't have enough fun, by the way, food becomes fun. It takes the place of fun. <laughs> So these are these are things to think about. And by the way, the food mood formula only applies to using food to change the way you emotionally feel. Because having um, a piece of cake for dessert is not the same thing as having uh, the whole cake over the course of one or two days and hating yourself with every spoonful, but you can't stop. So... It's when you are using food to change the way you emotionally feel or where you're where you feel like you you just you can't stop. You feel like you you feel addicted. Like it's a real feeling of addiction, but you are not addicted to the substance of food. You are addicted, if we're gonna use that word, to eating, to eating as a way of coping with something. And how do I know this? Well, I, I won't go into it right now. I will talk about sugar, quote unquote, sugar addiction another time. But look, uh, nobody eats 
spoonfuls of sugar, right? True addicts would just be eating spoonfuls of sugar. Most people don't eat spoonfuls of sugar, I should say. I should say, never say nobody. Um, we always eat sugar in with something else. And when you learn new ways of coping, guess what? That sugar addiction feeling goes away. Your brain hasn't changed at all, but your mind has changed and your mind can change the way that you relate to yourself and food. And then when you do that, you have more sweetness in your life. When you know how to comfort yourself, when you don't have those holes in your soul, when you know how to express anger, frustration, whatever, you don't need food to distract, escape, numb, any of those things. So by recognizing these patterns in our food choices, we can begin to address our emotional needs much more directly and in a healthy way. So instead of automatically reaching for a specific food, you can pause and ask yourself, okay, what's eating at me? What, why am I doing this? What's going on with me? What problem is this going to solve? Are we looking for comfort? Trying to fill an emotional void? Are you expressing unacknowledged anger? Are you yearning for more sweetness and joy in your life? Hmm, what's going on? Be curious. It's the theme of the day. <laughs> it's the theme of the day, right? Be curious, not critical. Um, and this, uh, this, this helps us find new ways of addressing those feelings and new ways of coping. You know, and and if it's loneliness for example, but you're afraid to go and, and meet new people because the people, people say, well, if you don't have enough friends, just go and meet up, just go meet new people. But what if that scares the hell out of you? What if you have social anxiety? What if the idea of meeting new people is like putting yourself in a lion's den and they're just going to look at you and hate you and reject you and all of that, all of that? Well, then that's the problem that food is resolving. If you have a fear of people, it comes from some place. People aren't born feeling scared and having social anxiety. Yes, some people are more shy than others, just natural temperament. But no one is born thinking, I can't go meet new people because they're not going to like me or I've got to put on a face and be for them to like me. And then, and then you go and you put on the face and you act as if everything is great in your life. Ah. And then you go home where you can finally go huh, and be yourself. And then, you know, hmm, what's in the fridge? So people can be unreliable, unpredictable, and unavailable. Food is reliable, predictable, and available. And so if you find it easier to turn to food than to people, that's what you want to look at, your conflict about relationships and about people. Um, as you could see, my point is there is always a reason for why you are, oh, thank you. Thank you, Loshima. Um, uh, uh I, oh, sorry. For those of you who are listening on Voice America, I'm talking to, I'm talking to someone on, on Instagram. Um, so hi everyone on Instagram and hi, Sandy. Hi, Nikki. Hi, everybody else who I can't see. I'm really glad you're here. So as you could see from what I'm talking about, it really is about why you are eating, not what you are eating. 
And that's why diets fail because diets tell you to eat this, but not that, which of course sets you up for deprivation, which sets you up for binging, hence the diet binge cycle. But to create lasting change, which is possible because I do it every day of of my professional life. And I did it for myself personally with the help of my therapist, even though she did not know I was the poster child for eating disorders. It is possible to not be in recovery, but to actually liberate yourself from emotional eating for good. And when I come back, I'm going to take a short break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about uh, some, once you identify what's going on, hey, figure out how how to respond differently to yourself. So I'm going to take a break and I'll be back in two minutes. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today we are talking about how to overcome emotional eating, and I am giving you a guide to do exactly that. We talked about identifying your emotional triggers using the food mood formula and the track your triggers uh, formula, two formulas, I guess. And um, now let's just talk about the, the connection. Like Something people tell me a lot is, why food? Why is food my thing? One woman actually said to me many years ago, and she was serious. She said, why food? Why can't I be addicted to meth? 
She was serious. Well, that was tragic. But why food? And that is because our very first experience of connection and bonding and and being being with another person is when we are infants and we are held in someone's arms and we have the eyes looking down at us with such a loving expression and we feel this blissful held wonderful fabulous feeling and that is connected with the experience of being fed so often we when we seek food we're just seeking some kind of blissful state or return to feeling comfortable and cozy um food serves as comfort during times of stress and sadness or boredom if you think you're bored although as i covered earlier boredom is an umbrella emotion and sometimes we say we're bored when we're really lonely or empty or sad or something else it's easier to be bored than it is to feel sad or anxious or lonely or any of those things so recognizing that that food is something that that goes back to the earliest date, times of our lives as a way of self-soothing that we are trying to make ourselves feel better, right? We associate food with comfort. And uh, again, being held, fed, soothed, it always is with with food initially. But then if we don't learn new ways of coping and new ways of soothing, we always go back to the one that we know. And I, I tell this story a lot, which is, um, uh, boy, so I, I saw such interesting things at the park with my daughters. <laughs> and this this one time I was there and, and there were these two nannies and they were, I, I just talked about this, I know, but I'm going to talk about it again. Uh, so th these two nannies were at the park and they had babies and they were talking to each other. And then whenever the baby would cry, they didn't figure out, they didn't, they didn't, they were so busy in their conversation. They just stuck a bottle in the baby's, they each had a baby. <laughs> they just stuck a bottle in the baby's mouth. So what does that baby learn? Hey, it doesn't matter if I'm if I'm cold, if I need my diaper changed, if I'm hungry, if I just want a hug. Uh, eating is going to resolve the problem. So very early on, we get the message that food can resolve all problems. Food is also used as a reward or punishment later in our lives during childhood. Here's the one that always gets me. I don't know about you, but what do you think about this? When I go to the dentist, especially the pediatric dentist, what do they offer kids after they go to the dentist? Candy. They offer them candy. Boy, it's like they're trying to create new customers there. But also the message is, hey, you went to the dentist, you survived the, the thing, have some candy. That's your reward, right? Or, hey, you know, you can't, you can't have dessert unless you eat all your broccoli. So dessert is the reward and, or you can't, you can't have dessert because you were bad. So dessert is a, you know, being denied dessert is for, from a punishment. What do we learn about dessert? We get all of these messages and it leads to patterns where eating is reward. It is punishment. It is approval. It is disapproval. And it, 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 it becomes definitely something other than we're hungry and we want to have something yummy. And by the way, my one food rule is it has to be yummy. 
<laughs> and, you know, it doesn't always have to be nutritious. As long as you're eating, and I'm not a, I'm not a dietitian, but from what my dietitian friends tell me, as long as you're eating like 70% healthy, there's another 30% that you can have things that are not super, super healthy. It's okay. It's all about balance. But diet mentality does not promote or facilitate balance, does it? So anyway, also, you know, this food mood connection or um, uh, not food mood connection, you know, food emotion connection, uh, our, our cultural and social traditions involve eating, holidays, celebrations, most gatherings, parties. It's all marked by food and it creates an association between food and happiness, food and belonging, food and love. And so when we are stressed, when we are upset, when we are lonely, it is so understandable that we turn to food for those reasons. Um, and also, you know, many people have memories of, of, of food, like, like, oh, you know, uh, every time they, they, they smell chocolate chip cookies, they're reminded of making cookies with their grandmother. And it brings back such fond, wonderful memories of, of, of connection and love. So their grandmother's no longer around, but oh, they're going to have that cookie, those cookies and, and recreate that feeling when taken to an extreme that's not good. Now, also, food is a dis form of distraction and escape, numbing, soothing, all of the things. So if you're using food to escape difficult emotions or express them, right, um, then that is a sign that, that needs your attention. So this is why emotional eating is a, 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 a frenemy. It's a frenemy. It's a coping strategy. It is a friend. It does something for you. It helps you cope. It helps distract. It helps you in some way. It fills the void. It 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 turns emotional pain into physical pain, which is easier to get rid of. It does so many things that are both conscious and unconscious. It does something for you. If you're lonely, again, and you're filling the void, well, if you don't eat, you're going to feel the ache of loneliness. And if you are scared of people or you don't have people in your life, that's unbearable. So it's so it's a friend of me and it is a friend in, in that it is helping you cope, albeit momentarily. But it is an enemy because it hurts your body and it hurts your self-esteem. And it and it doesn't teach you how to soothe yourself and feel good about yourself. So what to do? What to do? Well you know, obviously you got to turn your inner critic into a friend, got to be nice to yourself. I've been talking about being curious, not critical and learn how to feel feelings. By the way, we cannot think them away. We cannot ignore them. We cannot drop them. We cannot positive think them away and we cannot gratitude them away. The only way to deal with feelings is ultimately to feel them. But we also live in a culture, as I was talking about before, that says, hey, don't feel your feelings. That's not good. Just be positive. Think them away with positivity. So we don't learn how to feel feelings. And often we mistake identifying our feelings with feeling our feelings. I can't tell you how many people have said, well, I realized that I was angry, but then I didn't feel better. 
Yeah, because insight is only the first step. Realizing you're angry, for example, is just a, a that's a thought. That's a that's identifying that you have an emotion of anger. Let's call it frustration. But saying, oh, I'm frustrated, will do exactly nothing. Nada. Rien. <laughs> nothing. Um, the only way to, to deal with frustration is to express it and say what the situation is that's frustrating you and what does it mean. I'm so frustrated that my boss overlooked me, gave someone else a raise, and I've just been doing everything and I'm being overlooked and it means I'm never going to get anywhere in life. That feels bad, right? So it's all it's all the meaning that we make of situations that create the feelings. Thoughts lead to feelings, lead to behavior. So to say I'm really frustrated at this situation because it means this. I'm really annoyed at this because it means that. And by the way, when you do this, do not do it like this. I'm very frustrated at my boss because I was overlooked for the promotion. That is not expressing your feelings. That is more identifying your feelings. The only way to get rid of feelings is to express them, and that means you got to feel it. Why are emotions called feelings? Because we feel our emotions in our body. So I'm really frustrated with my boss. Is not expressing your emotions. Saying, oh, I am so frustrated with my boss. Oh, that is expressing your emotions. So first, you got to e express what you feel. And, and then you I'm just, I'm just, uh, let me just go ahead here in my, cause I'm, I'm running out of time. <laughs> there are other things I want to talk about, but let me just, let me just go, go ahead. So, um, so first you got to express it. So first you identify it and you use the food mood formula or the track your triggers formula that I talked about earlier. And then you express it. You don't want to turn it against yourself. You don't want to do, like I call it the boomerang effect. I'm so pissed at this situation. Oh, no, no, I'm pissed at myself. Oh, my God, I can't believe I ate that. No, 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 no. Want to allow yourself to identify it and express it. And then the third step is to comfort yourself with words. How do you do that? I like acronyms. Ac I, I am like queen of acronyms. I, if I do say so myself, and I do say it, queen of acronyms. This is my acronym that I created. It is perfectly imperfect. It's, uh, you need to vary your response to yourself. Um, so it means validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. That's how you comfort yourself. Why is it perfectly imperfect? Because really first you should acknowledge it and then validate it, but what the heck? It still works because validation and, and acknowledgement kind of go together. So you're mad at your boss, you're frustrated with your boss, you say all the reasons, and then you're gonna validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. So you're gonna you're gonna say, hey, you know what? Um I am really upset at my boss. Of course I am. I was overlooked for the promotion. How else could I feel? It is an absolutely, you know, common, expected, and valid. Not that you need to justify your feelings, but of course I feel bad. It's like who wouldn't feel bad? Overlooked, and someone else got a promotion that I wanted. That's hurtful and frustrating and disappointing. And that so that's validate, validating and acknowledging, and then you reassure yourself. 
I've been through disappointment and frustrating times before. I'm going to get through this too. Maybe I'm going to have a talk with my boss and figure out how I could improve. I'm going to do everything that I can just because I didn't get this promotion. Doesn't mean I'm not going to get another promotion. But in the meantime, this sucks. This is hard. This is painful. But I'm I'm not always going to feel this way. I'm going to get past this. Right? That's what you do. So just another more, more like kind of big one is um, let's say you've had just a really stressful day, had a really stressful day and you find yourself heading to the kitchen and, and you, you stop and, and you, you don't need the food mood formula. You know, you've had a stressful day. You know exactly why you're heading to that kitchen. So you stop and you say, wait a minute. I'm feeling really stressed right now because of my day, and that's okay. It is normal. Nor I don't love the word normal. It is just a, a setting on a dryer as far as I'm concerned, but it's typical. It would be a typical reaction to having so much stress in my day. And what I need is a way to relax and unwind after this day's stress. But, you know, yeah, right now it's 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 I'm feeling I'm feeling all stressed out, but I don't want to turn to food to relax myself. Let me figure out. I'm going to reassure myself and tell myself, "Hey, I know other ways of relaxing. Maybe I can, you know, write in my journal, read my favorite book, watch my favorite show, binge something mindless, um, do some yoga, whatever it is that I'm going to do for self care and to calm down my stress." So. That is what you do instead of turning to food. So remember, the goal is to change the way you you relate with food by changing the way you relate with yourself. If you are hard on yourself and you're beating yourself up and you're telling yourself, well, I didn't get that promotion because I'm not good enough and this is proof, then you're abandoning yourself, you're judging yourself, you're feeling bad, you're criticizing yourself. Now, not only did you not get the promotion, but you feel like it's because there's some deficit in you. And now you feel bad about yourself, not just the fact that you got the promotion. And how do you feel bad about yourself and encourage yourself? You can't. And that's why Often people are so mean, so invalidating, so harsh that they end up turning to food just to escape their own mean voices. That's why one of the most important things that you can do is turn your critic into a friend. If you would not say something to somebody else, do not say it to yourself. If your friend didn't get a, a, a promotion, would you say to your friend, well, clearly you're not good enough. Clearly, you know, you are not up to par and you'll never get a promotion. No, you would not say that to your friend. So why in the heck are you saying it to yourself? All right. So that this leads me to the last part. Think we have enough time? Yes, I do. Which is the role of self-acceptance in overcoming emotional eating patterns. By accepting yourself, and I, I like self-acceptance rather than self-love, although self-love is a good thing, but self-acceptance means that you accept all parts of yourself, even the parts you don't love. You know, being able to say, yes, I am a perfectly imperfect person and I accept me is really important. So 
That means self-acceptance means embracing who you are, acknowledging your strengths and vulnerabilities, acknowledging, by the way, that your worth is not dependent on your appearance, your weight, or what you ate. It's about shifting the focus from self-judgment to self-compassion. And this, again, involves curiosity, not criticism. When you are critical of yourself, you make yourself feel bad, and you can't make yourself feel bad and be critical and judgmental, and at the same time, lift yourself up and encourage yourself. Those things cannot happen simultaneously, which is why often, again, we go to food to escape our own mean voice. But by being curious, what do I, you know, why did I eat that? Why did I want to eat that? What's going on with me? What am I feeling? But also, what do I like about me? We are we are we are often so used to just looking in the mirror and thinking, "Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. This part right here. Oh my God, no, no one can ever see me naked. Whatever it is that you're saying to yourself, all you're going to do is make yourself feel bad about yourself. But be curious. Well, wait a minute. What do I like about myself? What do I like even about my appearance? Because a lot of times people say, I know I'm a good person. I know I'm nice. I know I'm courteous. I know I'm good friend. I, I know all of that doesn't make me feel better about my body. That's okay. <laughs> and that doesn't even make sense. Like you can, you can feel good about who you are and still not like your body. So the idea is to be able to feel feel good about parts of your appearance, even if you want to change it. It's not it's not making your sense of of self-worth predicated on getting to some magical number on the scale or fitting into something, you know, that some some gene size that you think you should fit into. You can look in the mirror and you can find the things that you hate about yourself and you will fixate on that and that is all that you will see in the mirror. It's all you're going to look at because we unbeknownst to ourselves, we unconsciously look for confirmation of our thoughts. So if we think, oh, I'm, I look terrible, we're going to find all the evidence that we look terrible. If we say, you know what, I, you know, do I want to, do I want to make some changes in my appearance? Yes, I do. But let me look and see the things that I like about my appearance. And then the more that you do that, the more you're going to look in the mirror and see what you like. And the more you see what you like, the less you see what you don't like. So therefore, the things you like make you feel better about yourself and you can be with yourself and say, okay, you know what? Yes, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to be healthier. I'm trying to lose weight or whatever it is that you're trying to do, but I'm going to like myself through that process. I'm not going to save um, my sense of self-worth for you know, reaching some particular number on the scale. I'm going to feel good about me. It's very, very important. And also, uh, so, so we're gonna, you're going to look in the, the mirror and you're going to find what you like. And that's what I want you to look at. Right? The more you see that, the more you see that. So recognize and validate your emotions without judgment as well. If you're criticizing yourself, again, curious, not critical. If you're criticizing yourself, why did I have that reaction? Oh my God, I totally overreacted. What's wrong with me? As opposed to, okay, I really had a strong reaction to that. What's that all about? And then you might discover something like, um, oh, 
as I've heard this from so many people, they're driving, especially I live in LA, the traffic here. Oh my God, (laughs) you're driving and someone cuts you off and, and suddenly you are, you, you are just screaming at the top of your lungs, like a, a string of expletives you can't even believe are coming out of your mouth and you're just enraged. Now you could say, oh my God, I have a rage problem. What's wrong with me? I need anger management classes. Or you could say, hmm, what is it about someone cutting me off on the freeway that is so, so enraging to me? What does that mean? Oh, maybe it's because uh, it reminds me of my um, older brother who was just always about himself and so selfish and just did whatever he wanted. Didn't matter how it affected other people. And he's still that way. Or, you know, or my coworker, whatever it is, that there's some dynamic that's getting activated. If you are having a reaction that you think is extreme and you don't understand why you are really having this extreme reaction to something, do not criticize yourself and say, oh my God, I'm such an overreactor. Be curious and ask yourself, what does this remind me of? What's going on with me? What, how is this familiar? What does this mean to me? And when you do that from a curious place, you are going to find some answers. So to wrap it up, your guide to your guide to overcoming emotional eating means first identifying what your true triggers are. You are not triggered by food. You are triggered by some emotion or something going on within that leads you to food for comfort, distraction, or what have you. You're going to understand that there's an emotional connection to wanting food and learn new ways of expressing your emotions and responding to yourself when you have those emotions. You're going to create those new ways of comforting yourself using the very approach. Um, and you're going to really work on self-acceptance. And that doesn't mean you have to love everything about yourself. It means you accept yourself and you're going to focus on the things that you like about yourself instead of always on the things that you don't like about yourself. And this is going to cultivate better feeling of self-worth and you're going to feel better in your body and in your life. And always be gentle with yourself and be curious not critical. So that brings us to the end of today's um, today's show. I am here on Voice America every Thursday at noon Pacific. If you miss the live show, you can listen later on all podcast channels and Voice America. And if you would like a deeper dive into this topic, uh, please check out my best-selling book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It really is possible to put emotional eating or binge eating behind you for good. That's why I do call it the binge cure. And um, also get your hands on the binge cure journal, which helps you take the principles in the book and implement them. And it's really, really powerful. So be sure to get those on Amazon and stay curious, not critical. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.